What if everything you've been told about the reasons women get divorced is wrong? I'm Sheila Ray Gregoire from BearMarriage.com, where we like to talk about healthy, evidence-based biblical advice for your sex life and your marriage. And today on episode 212 of the Bear Marriage Podcast, we're going to look at some seriously crappy takes on stats. And I am joined today <laughs> to do that by my daughter, Rebecca Lindenbach. Hello, hello. And here's what I want to tackle. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. There has been an uptick. And I don't know why. I don't know what's going on. But there has been an uptick on social media and on other podcasts of people using two different stats. Okay. One saying that women initiate 70% of divorces, which mm-hmm. is true. All right. Lots of studies have shown that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason, the biggest reason that women initiate those divorces, 75% of women say it's lack of commitment. Mm-hmm. And people are saying that, see, this proves that women are getting divorced for no reason. Yeah, which, as we will show you, is is really, honestly... Like gold stars to everyone for being able to misrepresent the story as well as you did. Like, I almost feel like that gets an act like what, like a Darwin Award, but for stats. Yeah. Like something like that. Like, like, how does this even pass the smell test? Okay. Because 70. So what they're saying is, hey, look at all of these women who get divorced for no reason. Women are selfish. Women are terrible. Women are leaving perfectly good men. The big (laughs) crisis in the world is caused by women because they're getting divorced because of lack of commitment. Exactly. Guess what we did, people? We looked at the study. Yeah. Which does seem to just be a, a really out there idea. Like that that's really new thinking, guys. Yes. Like to actually read <laughs> the study. Reading the study that you're going to quote. Um, but that's what we did. Because this whole stat sounded so strange to me, the way that people were interpreting it. So this stat came from a 2013 study that's a matched pair study. It's a really cool study. Seriously, you should look it up. The link for it will be in the show notes. Mm -hmm. But it was a matched pair design, which means that they actually got to talk to both people of the divorced Mm -hmm. couple. And they got and they would uh, link them in some way so they could say, hey, so spouse A says this, but spouse B says that. Mm -hmm. And this whole uh, reason for divorce being a lack of commitment was one option in a check all that apply question for what were the reasons behind your divorce. Yeah, so they listed 12 things and they said check all that apply. They didn't say what is the reason? What is the one reason? And they did ask (laughs) what is the one reason? So later on, they did later. So and later when they asked, what's the one reason? What's the main reason? Do you think that 75% of women said, I just felt like it. (laughs) It just felt like a good thing to do on a Thursday. (laughs) You know, I was like, "Mm, divorce era. You know, that's not what happened. No, exactly. Instead, 57% Mm -hmm. of the marriages, the last straw Mm -hmm. was either infidelity, abuse, or substance abuse and addiction. Yeah. 57%. So the 75% of people, of women, who are saying there was a lack of commitment are also getting divorced because they're abused. They're being <laughs> cheated on. There's a spouse who is not dealing with their addiction issues. Right. Like, that sounds Which like a lack of... Which also classifies as lack of commitment. Well, exactly. It's because like, I don't know. I, I think that sleeping with a bunch of people does signify a deep lack of commitment. I know. I'm actually surprised that 100% of people didn't say lack of commitment. But, you know, I just want to say, I just want to do a plug. 
for matched pair surveys. Oh, yes. Before before we get into more of the detail on this particular study, is there's another study that is coming up that we are doing for our marriage book. Um, we have ethics approval from Queen's University. Um, and my husband, uh, Dr. Keith Gregoire, is doing it with us. And we will have the link to that study because we need both people in the couple to take the survey. So mm-hmm. we're going to put the link in the podcast notes. I think the study is going to be ready by the time this podcast comes Hopefully. out. If not, it probably will be next week. But there's all there will also be a link to the email list where you can sign up. And if you are on our email list, you are going to get notified. So, oh, trust me. I'm going to let you know. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So please sign up. And Becca's emails on Fridays are always amazing. So, I think so anyway. Yes. Yeah, so, so do check that out because we really would love for you to participate in our study. Yeah. But let's get back to this study. Yeah. But that's what's so ridiculous is they, they, they latch onto this one stat that shows 75% of women said that there was a lack of commitment in their marriage. And then they completely ignore the 57% of women for whom it's like, yeah, I got divorced because of, or the 50, they completely ignore the 50%, 57% of couples where the reason was so clearly not a lack of commitment in terms of like, a, yeah. I just don't feel in love anymore. It's like, a yeah, he's an abusive person. <laughs> and that was, that was the 57% said that was the final straw. Yeah. There were actually more couples than that, that had these, that had some of these yes. things present in their marriage. So let, let's do, let's do one of them. Yes. So the next most common reason for divorce was infidelity after lack of commitment. Okay. Yes. Um, so 59.6% of individuals said that there was infidelity of, um, in their marriage. Okay. Yeah. And, and that ended up being what, like 88% of the marriages overall. Yeah. 80 and 88% of couples, yeah. there was infidelity by at least one of the people. Yeah. Okay, so so sixty percent of 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 them admitted that there was infidelity by one or the other, mm-hmm. and eighty eight percent of couples. And here's why those numbers are different. Okay, yeah. and only thirty one point three percent of couples where there was infidelity did both people say, "Yeah, there's infidelity." <laughs> yeah. So what you're seeing here is like it's the average, right? So in a lot mm-hmm. of couples, she's saying, "Yeah, he cheated on me," and she and he's like, "No, I don't think the infidelity had anything to do with it." Yeah. And so <laughs> you're gonna have like. Yes. And and vice versa, right? Like where mm-hmm. he might say, yeah, there was infidelity on my part or on hers and she doesn't mention it on her side. So right. you're going to see that the individual numbers can be a lot lower because for every one couple, there's two people. Right, right, exactly. But, and, and we did know in this study also found that men were more likely to cheat. Yep. Okay. So that is a lack of commitment. And and seriously, when, when people say, yeah, women are getting divorced for lack of commitment, did nobody say, but that answer wasn't my lack of commitment. Yes. It was <laughs> lack of commitment in general. Yeah. So I don't know why people thought that they could say, oh yeah, women are just getting divorced because they don't, they're not committed to their marriage. But we dealt with this at the Nancy Piercy podcast too, right? Where what often happens in, in very fundamentalist religious spaces is people look at science or stats until they find something that matches their idea of how the world should work. Not how mm-hmm. it does work, but how it should work. Mm-hmm. And they latch onto it and they don't read any further context, right? I mean, even uh, Emerson Egrich uh, quotes John Gottman mm-hmm. in his book, Love and Respect, even though if you actually read John Gottman, he has a whole section about how if you have a gender hierarchy marriage, you're doomed, yes. pretty much. Yes. Like, so this is, a, this is a really common thing where people will latch onto one very sexy sounding stat that says what they want it to say, and they don't actually look at the data. And this is actually especially why it's so important to read the original study. One of the critiques we had of Nancy Piercy, and we did mm-hmm. that podcast last month, where we were asked asking the question, do complementarians really have better marriages, which mm-hmm. is what she had been 
um, claiming in her new book, The Toxic War on Masculinity. And our critique was she got the vast majority of her statistics from newspaper articles. She didn't look at the actual stat. And this idea that 75% of women divorce because of lack of commitment is all over the internet. Yes. You can find it everywhere. But if you trace it back, you will find it's traced back to this study, which if you read the study, you will come to completely different conclusions. So yep. lack of commitment, then infidelity. Then we also had another big one with substance abuse. Yeah, that All was right. really big. That was 35% of couples. Yeah, 35% of couples said that it was a major contributing factor. And it, and, um, it was mentioned by at least one partner in 50% of marriages. Okay. <laughs> but in the, in the marriages where substance abuse was an issue, only 33.3% of partners agreed that substance abuse was a major yeah. contributing factor. So if she said it was his alcohol, it was his alcoholism, he only had a 33.3% chance of agreeing. Here's how they concluded it. Um, they said uh, the severity of the substance abuse problem in their relationship was either minimized over the duration mm -hmm. of the relationship, or if attempts to address the problem were made, the partner with the substance abuse problem would not improve and or seek help. After several attempts to address the problem, the relationship finally ended. So once again, it's not a lack of commitment, even when there's addiction issues mm -hmm. or abuse or substance abuse issues. This is not a commitment issue. This is an issue of the spouse who is not experiencing the substance uh, addiction is trying to get their spouse to, to, to fix this. But if you have kids in the mix or even you, mm -hmm. like, I'm sorry, but substance abuse is really dangerous, especially if you're into like, you know, drugs that are like not legal yeah you can have people like i have had friends where drug dealers have threatened their family because yeah. they owe money mm -hmm. like that is not something you mess with that's mm -hmm. not a commitment issue no that's a safety issue and yeah it just it just isn't okay mm -hmm. um and again women can also be substance abusers mm -hmm. uh it's just that men are more likely to and in this study they they also found that men were more likely to but there definitely were women who were substance abusers as well yeah exactly okay here's an interesting one illness Illness is a fun one to talk about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there was a really big study done in 2009. Yeah, Journal of Cancer, right? Yeah, Journal of Cancer. And what they were looking at is what happened to marriages when one spouse was diagnosed with a life-altering or life-threatening disease, things mm -hmm. like multiple sclerosis, brain tumors, some sort of cancer. Yeah. That was really serious. So what happened to spouses? And um, I'm just going to read to you part of their abstract, their conclusion, Okay. There was, however, a greater than six-fold increase in risk after diagnosis when the affected spouse was the woman, 20.8% mm -hmm. versus 2.9%. So let's think about what that's saying. Yeah. In 21% of marriages where the wife is diagnosed with a life-altering condition, her husband leaves her. Yep. That's Whereas only 3% of men have right. that same experience. Right. So one-fifth of men... Yeah. will leave their wives when they are diagnosed with a life-threatening illness versus just 3% of women of what of wives mm -hmm. that will leave their husbands that is huge so to say that women are the ones with a lack of commitment <laughs> yes yeah, statistically speaking on a, on a general population level it is just ridiculous mm -hmm. when you consider that we know from multiple studies that uh life-threatening domestic abuse is much more likely to be instigated by men than by women mm -hmm. um the amount of murders that happen between partners is overwhelmingly yeah. so let's get to abuse in just a second i just want to read i just want to read okay, the final sorry. thing here okay so this is the final thing in their abstract was female gender was found to be the strongest predictor of separation or divorce in each cohort yeah like no matter what the diagnosis was right. no matter what was going on if you were a woman that was the highest predictor that you'd be left mm -hmm. yeah okay so also in this big study 
from the 75% that they are always quoting, yes. uh, abuse was mm-hmm. an issue in, in about a, a quarter of marriages. Yep. All right. And like, and, and multiple studies have also found, and I, I've got some links to these. I'm probably going to write an article about it um, on the blog, maybe tomorrow. Um, I'll Because we're not going to mention all the studies that we looked up in this podcast. Yeah. But multiple studies have found that women are actually more likely to initiate divorce and get divorced if they are being abused. Yeah. And that's really cool because we've had this idea. I know that a study out of Queens was, was looking at this because uh, we have this idea in society that women who are abused are actually less likely to get divorced. Mm-hmm. And so when we see women who get because, divorced... Because they're so beaten down they're so, and they, yeah, they don't feel they, like they have options. They don't have options. And what this has found is that actually, no, women who are abused are, are divorcing at a much higher rate than the general mm-hmm. population, which mm-hmm. is, first of all, excellent news. Mm-hmm. We should all be really happy to hear that. But it also means that because, our... Because we want people who are abused to get to safety. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. We don't want people to be trapped in abuse. Mm-hmm. But it also means that this this misguided notion that women who get divorced are able to get divorced so therefore they can't have been abused is wrong because mm-hmm. i think that's what often happens right we say well if you're getting divorced was it was the abuse really even that bad if you could leave yeah. it's like oh my gosh that's so toxic yeah like exactly. that's such a toxic mindset <laughs> exactly. and i'm glad that now we have the stats to show that no that is a toxic mindset because women yeah. who are abused are able to leave it's just risky it's scary it's hard it's terrible mm-hmm. but they are leaving so when you see someone's gotten divorced don't just immediately assume Mm-hmm. what it was about because mm-hmm. yeah the study is finding there's so many reasons yeah and another interesting thing about this study so they, they found they asked what are all the reasons okay mm-hmm. a lot of the reasons were super important yeah. <laughs> super serious and when you ask couples what the final straw was you're looking at like 57 percent of marriages it's like super serious things and those super serious things are also present in even more marriages it's just that yes. they didn't name it as the final straw okay yeah. so so this is this is bad people yes. all right so so and well it's bad in the sense that that when people get divorced, it's for bad stuff. That's actually good in the sense that we're not seeing a ton of divorces for really frivolous reasons, okay? Another um, thing just to hone into with this study is when they asked people, hey, who should have worked harder on your marriage? People were like twice as likely to say that the husband should have worked harder than to say the wife should have worked harder. And the majority of, of respondents agreed that the wife worked hard enough on the marriage. They did not agree the husband did. Yeah. So in this same study that they are saying, look at all these women leaving men for no reason, these uppity women, the men. <laughs> the men are like, yeah, no, study. she had a reason. I should have worked harder. <laughs> <laughs> the men are actually free. So here, here's a thought, people. Read the study. But that makes me do the thinky think and that makes my brain hurt. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I'm being a little snarky, but it, it is funny. It, it's such a good example of why you shouldn't trust stats that you just see online (laughs) like i know we do a lot of stats online but i hope that you can always kind of track it back yeah okay so here here so we that's the one big stat problem that people have had with this with with this is that um that 75 percent lack of commitment the way and it's like you know what maybe women are just lacking commitment after they've been cheated on and abused (laughs) and had to deal with substance abuse issues maybe they do lack some commitment after that and i'm like yeah me too girl (laughs) like like, i mean like that seems like a pretty natural consequence but this this one I find really funny too. Okay, so this is this is this is misused stat number two. Are you ready? Seventy mm-hmm. percent of women initiate divorce, mm-hmm. but college-educated women, when they get divorced, ninety percent of women initiate divorce. So guess what? It's really dangerous to marry a college-educated woman because she's just going to leave your butt. Exactly. She's just going to leave you stranded because she's so awful all right and that's what we hear um there's a really big female influencer i am not gonna name her because i don't want to send her traffic but she's she's constantly doing these memes about 
how dangerous education is for women because it makes them more likely to leave their husbands. Which is just so funny because she's arguing for a lack of education for women. And that take is such a blatant misunderstanding of stats that it just belies her okay. lack of education. And, and I'm not sure that everybody listening understands why that is a misunderstanding. Yeah. Of stats. So, so let's, let's talk about it. Let's go into it, Rebecca. Why don't you explain the problem? So the problem is overall, the divorce rate in society is there's a lot of different numbers kind of thrown around, but it's somewhere around currently like the 35 to 38 percent mark yeah. from what I've seen. Yeah. Right. I do want to interject here and say the divorce rate has never been 50%. That that idea that that the divorce rate is 50% um, is not true and never has been. But what is true is that the divorce rate has been falling Mm -hmm. ever since uh, its height in the late 1970s after no-fault divorce came in. That was the high. Yeah, there was a a divorce boon there and we're just kind of... And it's been falling ever since until COVID and we have seen an uptick since 2020. (laughs) Yeah, which I don't think surprises anyone. No. Um, Um, But but yeah, so the divorce rate, you're looking at like 30 to 35%. Yes, somewhere around there. Between Mm -hmm. 30 and 40%, depending on what you're looking at, depending on where you're looking at. Somewhere in that range. And second marriages, third marriages, divorce at higher Yeah, that's why it's really hard to say what the divorce rate is. Because like, are we talking about first marriage? Are we talking about all marriages? Mm -hmm. So that's why we're getting a really broad kind Mm -hmm. of thing. But no matter what you're looking at, Mm -hmm. no matter what cohort of people you're looking at, Mm -hmm. college-educated women have the lowest divorce rate. They do. People who have completed a college education have the lowest divorce rate. So even if 100% of those divorces were instigated by women, fewer marriages overall would still be getting divorced. Yes. So this is the problem is understanding that the bigger number, like the big percentage of a smaller number is still smaller <laughs> than the bigger number. Like, <laughs> okay, so, so here's what the U.S. Census Bureau declared in 2019. Yeah. Here's what they published, okay? So divorce rate among women with a bachelor's degree or higher was 26%. So they asked, they, 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 you know, in the census, they said, hey, have you ever been divorced? Mm-hmm. Okay, 26% of women, bachelor's degree or higher said yes, um, of, of women who had ever been married, mm-hmm. okay? Um, if you had some college education, it was 36%. If you had an associate's degree, it was 30%. High school diploma, 39%. Less than high school diploma, 45%. Yeah, so you're looking at like people who don't even have a high school diploma, which quite frankly is, is a lot of these... Mm-hmm homeschooling fundamentalist Christian groups, you're yeah. looking at a 45% divorce rate <laughs> yes. versus your college-educated women with a 26% yeah, divorce Yeah, and that rate. actually goes down if you look at master's degrees versus bachelor's degrees. Yeah. So, and, so women with postgraduate education have the lowest divorce rate. Yeah, people who complete their, post, their, their post-secondary education have a really low divorce rate. Mm-hmm. More degrees after that, lower and lower. Yeah. And this is what, what is funny is, yes, so more proportionately... Uh, women within that group may be filing for divorce, but there's still going to be fewer divorces overall. Well, of the people who file for divorce, it's more likely to be women in that That's group. That's what I mean. Yeah, proportionately, more, more mm-hmm. women might be, might be filing for divorce within that subgroup, but the subgroup is already smaller. Yeah. So if people are already getting divorced... Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is only looking, it's not looking at what percentage of women are going to get divorced, yeah. 90%. No, no, no. The 90% only applies to college educated women who are getting divorced. Yep. 90% of those divorces are initiated by women. Yep. Okay. Among people overall who are getting divorced, 70% are initiated by women. So it's more likely to be initiated by a woman if you're getting divorced, if you're college educated. That does not mean that college educated women are more likely to divorce you. Yeah, it's actually still less likely to happen overall. <laughs> like you are less likely to get divorced overall if you marry a college educated woman. Right. What it does mean though is that college educated 
educated women are less likely to put up with crap. Yeah, and, and I that's think that's... What they found. And because they have the ability to get a job, they're more likely to leave when something bad happens. And that's what multiple studies have found is that college education, first of all, means that your marriage will tend to be more stable, but it also means that when it isn't, and when there's violence involved, she gets out faster. And that's what I think is so horrifying. It's, it's this question not of like, oh, are too many women divorcing who are educated? And I think there's less of that question. There's more of a, are the other groups artificially deflated in their yes. numbers, right? Like yes. how many of those women who don't even have a high school diploma aren't mm -hmm. divorcing because they don't have a choice. Yeah. Like how many of them are like, I don't know where me and my kids are going to live. I don't know how we're going to support ourselves, especially with the cost of living getting so high. Mm -hmm. Right. Like how much of this is not about, you know, women just, oh, well, fewer women want to leave their husbands as much as fewer women can leave their husbands. Yeah. And and would the divorce rate actually be higher if those yeah. women had economic well, so many, opportunities? Well, because so many studies have found that employment and education are mm -hmm. very protective against long-term abusive relationships. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so uh, another another funny thing is people will often say that college-educated women don't get married. Actually, the, the group, the cohort of women who are the most likely to get married and then have a child and then stay married are college educated women. Yeah. The people who are the, who are the most likely to, to only ever cohabit yeah. and to have kids outside of marriage are your non-college educated women. Yeah, and so and and so it's kind of ironic that the people who are the most gung-ho about making sure that people get married and don't live together and have kids after marriage, all this stuff are also like, don't educate your women. You're shooting yourself in the foot, bud. Yeah. Like you're, you're making it less educated likely. women get married and stay married at high. And we're actually seeing a real marriage gap where the upper classes are still getting married and the lower classes are not. Which and is, it, it's actually really a problem for all kinds of a host of other reasons, which we're not going to get into in yeah. this podcast. But but just suffice it to say that all of these people who are claiming that college-educated women are just dumping men left, right, and center, again, have not read the actual studies. Well, and it's the same kind of statistical misunderstanding that Emerson Egrich did, right? Yeah. Like the whole idea of like 85% of stonewallers are men, therefore 85% of men stonewall. It's a similar yeah. level of misunderstanding stats. Like, will 90% of college-educated women divorce their husbands? like uh, who get divorced are the ones who initiate divorce wow women must be initiating divorce so much often no because the number is smaller yeah like it's it's just these are all very simple statistical oversights that you know with a statistics education not even a serious one like i think grade just 12 common stats, sense just, just common, some common sense too <laughs> yeah well and, and no uh, no I, I don't think this is just common sense stats are complicated and i do want to yeah. say we have a lot of people listening who find stats complicated too and i want to say i i see you i hear you mm -hmm. uh but i i just think a lot of this i i just find it funny that the people who are like don't educate women are also <laughs> showing that they're not educated but you I know just, what i i wonder if the reason they're saying don't educate women is because they're trying to create marriages which give men so much hierarchy and power and educated women don't put up with that and so if your view of marriage requires women to defer to men mm -hmm. absolutely and to have a marriage where men get the final say in everything and where men can basically do whatever they want and women must put up with it then yeah you want women not to be educated mm -hmm. and i think i think that's really what's going on okay so that's the, that's the overall picture of these yeah. actual studies and to throw some more just a, a few more data points in on it you know how do we know um that divorce isn't happening for no reason mm -hmm. and that often um women were the ones who were treated worse in the marriage a couple more data points other than the ones we've already showed showed you first of all um women tend to be happier post-divorce than men are Mm -hmm. Women are less likely to report that they um, regret their divorce mm -hmm. than men are. Mm 
And women are less likely to remarry because yeah. they're happier being single and they don't want to go through that again. Yeah, I think the big thing is you can look at the, if we if we separate people into three categories, right? Mm-hmm. Happy marriage and married, unhappy marriage and married, and then divorced. Mm-hmm. The differences between the two genders is really striking here, and it yeah. shows a difference. So, so we're we're even with happy marriages, married, right? Both people. That's the peak happiness. Yeah. When you look at studies, like the happiest people, uh, the best long term health outcomes, the best long term uh, financial stability, like mental uh, health outcomes, everything. A lot of outcomes. Happy marriages that stay married. The, but that's not really rocket science. It's yeah. like, why would you sabotage a great marriage? Like when you're in a good marriage. That you're that you're you you find pl- like happiness in you do really great. The next one's totally different though. The next two are totally swapped. Mm-hmm. If you are in an unhappy marriage, mm-hmm. that's still better for men than being divorced. Yeah, right. So the men are still experiencing the long-term health benefits. They have longer uh, life expectancy. They have better financial uh, stability. Better all sorts of things. Health. Better all sorts of different things. Women don't. Yeah. There's been a study that that found that uh, you know women in bad marriages actually have worse health outcomes, mm-hmm. and so the benefits for men are just kind of across the board for marriage. Like as long as you're married, you do better. Yeah. For women, it's only if you're in a good marriage. Mm-hmm. So for women, the happiness goes married and happy, then divorced, <laughs> and then married and unhappy in terms of health outcomes, in terms of happiness, all these different things. For men, it's not like that. It's married and happy. Married and unhappy, and then bottom of the barrel is divorced. Yeah. So yeah, men are way more likely to remarry. Men are way men have the positive uh, health outcomes even if they're in a bad marriage. And why? It's like it's like those happy marriages where both people are doing well. Mm-hmm. You know, you're feeding into each other. It's like that that silly thing from Friends that I've quoted before, right? Joey's wedding speech from Monica and Chandler, <laughs> like as we have and receive to share and give, <laughs> and in the having of the sharing, we shall receive as we so give, right? Like that. <laughs> That kind of reciprocity, the silly we, we build into each other, we take and we give kind of thing is happening. Mm-hmm. But in these unhappy marriages, what's happening is he is being a vampire for her. Mm-hmm. So she's losing the health benefits and he's gaining them. Yeah, This is not an equal relationship. Mm-hmm. And so when they get divorced, it's also not equal. She does better, he does worse. Yeah. Not necessarily financially. Nope. But, 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 but in a lot of the, the long term, a lot of other, a lot of, and a lot yeah. of other long term measures, they do better. Yeah. And, and so if we're looking at, hey, why are women divorcing and what are the reasons? That's that's what it is. So, okay. So next time you hear someone say, hey, women are divorcing for no reason mm-hmm. um, and women are being so mean and women are terrible to men and women are fickle, just remember that no, <laughs> the, the majority of divorces are happening. For as Gretchen Baskerville, author of The Life-Saving Divorce, has said she's been a frequent guest on this podcast and we really appreciate her work, the majority of divorces are for life-saving reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're for, because something really destructive is happening. Okay, mm-hmm. now let's talk about the others. Yeah, because I think that's where most people, you know, well, a lot of people listening to this podcast are in abusive places and are in those. Yeah, those or have escaped them, or have escaped them, and, yeah. and we appreciate you and we see you. Um, but but there's want- also another type of marriage that destroys, where it's not it's not yeah. something where it's like a clear poison that's like a even if it's a one time thing, it's too much, right? Yeah. There's the death by a thousand cuts marriages. Yes. Right. There was that great. What was that? What was that blog post that he wrote? Oh he yeah, divorced, the guy. 
She yeah. divorced me because I left it, my dishes by the sink. Yes. Right? Yes. There's this guy who wrote this awesome article for HuffPost and it turned into a book where he's talking about how he got divorced because he put his cup beside the sink. And he's like, well, it wasn't actually because I put my cup beside the sink. My wife wasn't a pedantic, like, yeah. you know, like she wasn't ridiculous. But it that was, was that. the final straw that she said. No, it was, yeah. it was that. It was that was signifying the relationship where mm. she would constantly tell him like put your dishes in the dishwasher i beg of you like just stop leaving your crap everywhere yeah. and he didn't mm -hmm. he kept doing it and what did that say it meant i'm entitled to your work i'm entitled to your time right mm -hmm. my time and my comfort are more important than yours yeah. it says i don't care enough to do this simple thing that we can expect of seven-year-olds Mm -hmm. I don't care enough to do that for you. And so he's like, yeah. So my wife divorced me because I left dishes by the sink. Mm -hmm. And she had every right. Yeah. You know, that's what he was. That's what he it. said. So he wrote this whole book about how, like, not to be the kind yeah. of dude who, who uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. There was a great Instagram reel that was shared in our patron group. Oh, and by the way, shout out for our patron yes. group. Yes. Um, so we have people who support what we do on a monthly basis. And we're so grateful for them. Um, you know, they give between five and some even $100 a month uh, just to give us um, some funds so that we can keep doing this. Uh, but more importantly, that we keep doing our research. Yes. Like this new study that's coming, the new book that's coming out. Um, so we appreciate them. They get access to a Facebook group, an awesome Facebook group, to our unfiltered podcast, to what's going on behind the scenes. Um, they got some extra interviews with Nagma Panahi last, mm -hmm. last week. And We're starting was... a book club for... Uh... Jill Duggar's book, Jill uh, Duggar, what's her name? Dillard. Dillard. Dillard's yes. book, we're doing that soon. Yes, counting the cost. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, so so our patron group's amazing and you can join that too and be part of this movement as we do try to change the conversation about sex and marriage in the evangelical church. But in that page, and we will put a link to that, yes, in the podcast notes. But in the patron group, someone shared an amazing reel by a woman, I love her, I watch a lot of her reels, um, Kaylee Cresta. Mm -hmm. And she talks a lot about issues of mental load and just general unfairness in, in marriage and explaining how people don't necessarily realize this is unfair, but often women just get really upset and feel yeah. resentful and here's why. And so we're going to let her explain this issue of dishes by the sink and mental load. She's talking about taking out the trash, but, but here's Kaylee. Okay, so I hear a lot of men saying, why does she make it such a big deal when I forget to take out the trash? And the answer is pretty simple. I want you to think about it this way. Everyone in your home, including yourself, is at the forefront of her mind all the time. So she remembers to do things like get your son's favorite cereal, sign your daughter up for soccer, wash all your work clothes, and make your dentist appointment. And you don't have to remind her to do any of those things because in her mind, she doesn't even have the choice to forget. But if she's thinking about you and what you need all day, then can you imagine how bad it must hurt when you can't do the one thing she asked you to remember? Think about it. You have to remember that forgetting to do something is a luxury that a lot of women don't have. And you remind her of how overwhelmed she is every time you reinforce that she can't depend on you. I just think that sums it up really well. Yeah, it really does. And we've talked about mental load before. I don't, I don't want to belabor it. But mm -hmm. just to say that, you know, over years and years and years, this can really wear on a person when you feel like, my time, my energy is not valued the way yours is because you mm. sit down and you think nothing of sitting down while I am working. Yeah. And it gets exhausting. Mm -hmm. And I, I find what often happens is 
and this is this is maybe more what I want to talk about in the rest of this podcast is how we can avoid this situation. Yeah, because we don't want to necessarily talk about like if you're in one of the marriages, like the fifty seven percent of marriages where the final straw is infidelity or abuse yeah. or substance abuse. We're like, yeah, girl, like get out, like yeah, like that's not something where we're like, how can we fix this marriage? I'm like, that's no. not really my priority. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah. Um, I think mm-hmm. those are those are really big deals that you should be talking to someone who can have your safety mm-hmm. in mind and uh, you know. Know, maybe someone who's who's licensed and trained in these kinds of things but there is a small small portion of marriages where because remember 88 percent of the couples had infidelity yeah. so like let's say 10 percent to be generous mm-hmm. right of marriages where there isn't a quote-unquote reason mm-hmm. i don't necessarily agree with that because i think that long term you know like this, we know from studies that this kind of thing literally sucks years off of women's life. Yeah, when you when you're bearing all the emo- mental and emotional. When labor. you're constantly feeling like you're not heard, you're not seen, these kinds of things. Like it, it actually does have genuine long term health repercussions mm-hmm. on women in particular. And why on women? Because women typically are the ones who fill in the blanks mm-hmm. when things aren't being done. Yes. Whatever it is, whether it's emotional labor with in-laws or like making sure that the kids stuff is all sorted or what, whatever it is, women are taught from a very young age that just like Kaylee said, you don't get to forget. Mm-hmm. You have to do it because no one else is going to. And that kind of marriage just, it eats away at someone. So we want to mm-hmm. talk about that kind of thing because there's a lot of women who get divorced who they didn't want to have to get divorced. Mm-hmm. And a lot of men who get divorced. And a lot of men who get divorced where they didn't want to have to get divorced, but they didn't realize what was happening. Yeah, And I think this is what happens, okay? And it, it, again, it isn't always, it, it, we're not saying that it's always men's fault, but I think couples can get into this dynamic where there's a problem. There's something happening mm-hmm. that is making one of you feel, I am not valued because I feel like the other person thinks they're entitled to me being this amazing spouse, even when they're not putting in the work and they're not valuing me. And that can look at all, look at all kinds of different oh, ways. Oh, yeah, all sorts like, of ways. Um, you know, let's say that that she is constantly talking to her mom and spends all her time with her sister and her mom and never spends time with him. Mm-hmm. right she really values her family of origin and the mom isn't nice to him and she doesn't care so that yeah. that's a really common dynamic you see um or you know she's overspending and he just can't get finances under control and he's working really hard and you know she's just not contributing enough and is really causing the family to go into debt that's another really mm-hmm. big thing and that can make someone feel very taken advantage of and that can go either way it could be him mm-hmm. doing it too you know so we could we could have mental load issues we could have you know family of origin issues we could have sex issues although as we have shown on this podcast sex is not the issue in general <laughs> sex yeah. is, lack of sex is a symptom it's not a it's not the problem in and of itself <laughs> but when there but, isn't issues like infidelity like abuse like you know substance abuse and these kinds of things where it really is it's bigger Mm-hmm. than the relationship this is a personal problem mm-hmm. right when this is when there's honestly just relationship problems that just eat away year after year after year mm-hmm. you know what we want to say is like often we feel helpless because as women we've been told your job is to make sure everyone is comfortable around you mm-hmm. your job is to smooth all the waves over your job is to look effortless while you do it your job is to have everything be perfect and make sure it's perfect and if he helps and that's great but it's really your responsibility and so what happens if there's problems with in-laws mm-hmm. do we speak up the first year year two 
Year three, what about when the kids start to come and they continue to cross boundaries? Yeah. What do we do, right? We've been taught for so long to be quiet mm-hmm. that often what ends up happening is, you know, think about like a plane, right? If you go off course by one degree, it's super easy to fix early. Mm-hmm. But if you're eight hours into your flight, all of a sudden you're in a totally different country. Yeah. This is what I, I, I get from looking at a lot of these studies is that if you course correct earlier, it's easier. Yes. So if you have that option, please do. Yes, please, please, please. Please do. You know, like uh, I remember when we were in university, we talked about marriage counseling and I, uh, it's in a textbook. <laughs> so I can't remember exactly where it is. But, but I remember we were talking about the idea of, you know, relationships can be described as having multiple different phases relationships that go from you know from dating until divorce right like divorce based uh, divorce bound relationships have multiple phases and people often go to marriage counseling after a crisis phase right mm-hmm. there's something that triggers why they would go to counseling or why they would seek help it's something big typically usually the couple is already on their way to divorce mm-hmm. when they start to seek help But the studies have shown from what I remember we were talking about is that if you seek help at that point, you're already kind of too far gone for most people. Mm -hmm. But if you seek help earlier, like when there hasn't been some huge blow up and Mm -hmm. you're like, I don't even know who you are anymore (laughs) or anything like that. But it's more of the we just don't feel connected. We're living parallel lives. We feel like we try to reach out and the other person just doesn't really like it just doesn't mesh as well as it used to. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling more alone. Those kinds of things. Because that's when you reach out for help. It can actually move you in a different direction because you've 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 corrected your path earlier on in the flight. And that's hard to do. It is. That's hard to do because people don't tend to seek help or do change until there's a crisis because it's just easier not to. If there's not something really, really serious trying to get you to do that, it's the same way that we don't exercise, even though we all know we should. Yeah, right? our brains are our brains are created and designed to take the easier route. And that is an adaptive trait. And mm-hmm. that's often something that we beat ourselves up for a lot, but it is a very adaptive trait, right? You don't have the mental energy to be on 100% all the time. Yeah. You don't, and that's not a failure on you. You're just a human being. So what do we have to do? We have to accept that this is how we were created and then work with that and challenge ourselves to do what doesn't feel natural sometimes, Mm -hmm. right? Like if things are not going great, Mm -hmm. don't wait until you literally can't not deal with it. Yes. Right? Deal with it now, even though it takes effort because you're going to get more reward. Mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. It, it's it's the idea of like if you see it as like and maybe this would be stressful to people but like gaining interest mm-hmm. in your head like when you notice that there's a problem mm-hmm. you can either deal with it now and not pay a ton of interest mm-hmm. or you can deal with it in 10 years and have 10 years of accrued interest on top of the initial problem yeah and relationships seem to work very similarly in again situations that are not one of those 57 percent where there's a uh, or one of the the eighty eight percent, or however many percent. When what we're saying is that if you're in one of the big three, none of this really applies. No. We're talking to people who like you know you maybe got married a little bit ago, and you're just feeling totally disconnected, and you are just kind of like trudging on, and you're feeling yourselves drift apart, and you're like, oh well, it's not that bad yet. You really should be trying to fix it now instead of when it gets so bad that you have to fix and, it. And you know this is actually this applies to sex too. Okay, this is yeah. something we've been talking about a lot yeah. um, since the Great Sex Rescue came out, but I've done a couple of series on it on the blog. But I remember this email that I got from a man 
Okay. Mm-hmm. And he, he, he said this, and I've talked about this before on the podcast, I think, but he said, I really, really want to give my wife pleasure. Yeah. I want her to really love sex and I'm eager to give her foreplay, <sighs> but she just doesn't want it. She tells me that, no, 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 don't worry about me. Just go ahead. Mm-hmm. And so we've been married for 17 years and she's never had an orgasm. And I'm like, holy cow. How much do you really want her to have pleasure if you're still willing to use her body when she doesn't feel good? Like that should be that that should be sending off major red flags in your head. Because guess what? If this, you know, if if you start marriage and she has an orgasm the first time she has sex, her chance of having the same libido as you is virtually identical. Yeah. So many studies have found that if you just start out sex with orgasms, dude, it works out pretty well. Like, But but (laughs) if she has had sex for 17 years and has never had an orgasm and doesn't like sex, do you know how long it takes to to make sex good now yeah we don't say that to discourage people from trying that's not what we're saying what we're saying is there has to be an acknowledgement here Mm -hmm. like we're not saying that if it's been 17 years it's too late that's not what we're saying orgasm course yes please 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 i will put we know in the podcast we have heard so many stories and there's also just genuine evidence from other studies that show Mm -hmm. that anorgasmia absolutely can be you know rectified but it's harder when it's been 17 years and this is what we're trying to tell you people is like if something is not working address it early yeah address it early that's you know the first few years of your marriage um that's when you need to be addressing some of these things as much as possible sweat the small stuff yes seriously sweat the small stuff because the small stuff adds up and i do want to address that because i know that a lot of women you know a lot of marriages break apart because of and i quote unquote like there's without a reason quote Mm -hmm. unquote and i'm saying that like but that idea where it's like it's just that it's been 25 years Mm -hmm. of feeling used and misunderstood and you know taken advantage of and married to someone with extreme entitlement and you're working yourself like to i mean how many women have we all known who have been up doing housework and chores for hours while their husbands are just doing their own thing Mm -hmm. and like there's there are a lot of marriages where that's the reason why there's divorce and I think it can be tempting in a lot of Christian circles to say, oh, well, because it wasn't one of the big reasons, therefore she just wasn't committed and it wasn't a valid. No, 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 no. Death by a thousand cuts is still a death. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to say that. Like, we're talking about the difference between like, you know, like with with the, the issues, like your spouse cheats on you or, you know, there's abuse or there's a long-term like substance addiction that they're just not dealing with. Like these kinds of things that are that are just horrible to go through. Those are kind of like your out of the blue, like brain tumor diagnoses. Mm-hmm. And then there's other things where it's like maybe a preventable lung cancer. But once you've got the lung cancer, it's still lung cancer. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to explain how I don't want this to become a podcast where people say, oh, well, you didn't get divorced for the right reasons mm-hmm. um what we're talking about here is what's preventable and what's not really mm-hmm. in the same way mm-hmm. but preventable doesn't mean that well you should just have to live with it we still treat the lung cancer guys mm-hmm. like so, we- so we're not trying to we're not trying to make a, 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 a policy or anything on when you're allowed to divorce that's not what no. this podcast is about but you know what we just don't want people miserable okay well and i think we that a lot of people, people miserable and and marriage is good for you yeah like when you're in a good marriage it's good for you like there's so many benefits our survey found that multiple surveys have found that the harvard longitudinal study has found this like marriage 
when it's good is so positive and we want that for people. And I just know from talking to couples, from witnessing couples, from our survey data, from our focus groups, that a lot of times it's like, it is that death by a thousand cuts because you let small things go in those first years of marriage and you can handle it in the first year of marriage. You can handle it when she doesn't do any housework mm-hmm. <laughs> or when he's ring- getting you into debt or when he's always over at his mom's house and isn't spending any time with the kids. Like you can handle it for a while. You can't handle it for 25 years. Yeah. There's a point where you're going to break. And yeah. so what we're trying to say is break at year one. <laughs> like make Or don't even have to it. break. Yeah. Just make an issue out of it early. Like, like think to yourself, is this something I can do for 35 years? or 50, like if you're 25 years old and you're married and your spouse is spending their weekends out with friends or their nuclear family and not spending it with you and they're doing this regularly, ask yourself, can I put up with this for 55 years? Mm-hmm. You know, average life expectancy, <laughs> 80 years old. So can I put up with this for 55 years? And if the answer is no, then you've got to do something about it now because you may be able to handle it for a couple of years, but eventually you're going to crack. Mm-hmm. And so do something about it before you crack because it'll get worse and worse. Um, I remember when you, when you guys were babies, we, I was friends with a woman um, who had kids the same age mm-hmm. and we spent a lot of time together and she would tell me about her marriage, which was really pro- problematic. And um, at one point she decided that she really wanted to start having dinner as a family. Okay, so she she was putting the baby in the high chair around the table. She put the food on the table. Her husband came home from work and he went and sat on the couch. And she sat there at the table waiting for him to come and join them at the table in their small apartment. And he didn't get up. And so eventually she took his plate and brought it over to him and he ate in front of the TV. And from then on, he ate in front of the TV every night. Yeah. And this was, and, and then their marriage was getting worse and worse and worse. She was feeling more and more disconnected. He would come home. He really wouldn't talk to her. He wouldn't interact with the child. And she just, she found this really, really hard. But she was still bringing him the food at the couch every night. Now, I'm not saying that their disconnection was his fault, was her fault. No. I'm not saying that. But what would have happened if that first night she hadn't have brought the food to him? And, and what if she had insisted, hey, you know, if you're going to eat what I cook, you're going to eat it with me. Mm-hmm. Now, he, he ended up being quite a terrible person. It could be that he would have said, no, I would rather leave. Yep. And the marriage may still have blown apart, but maybe it would have blown apart earlier before so much trauma had happened too. So I'm not saying she could have avoided divorce. I'm just saying, I think for a lot of people, they get into these negative dynamics that make things worse. And if you can address those negative dynamics early, sometimes this marital breakdown may not happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a silly lighthearted example is actually me and Connor. Yeah, please do a silly one because I took a serious one. Yeah, so so, uh, my husband has... uh, he's decided to give up coffee, which really impacts me. And I'm really the main character here. (laughs) Uh, No, but he's decided to give up coffee. And for eight years of marriage, he has been the one to go and pick up coffees or something if we're going to like, you know, have a night watching a movie or something. So the other night I asked him if he could go get me, go get us coffees. And he looks at me and he's like, 
you can go get you a coffee, but I'm not going to get you a coffee, right? And I'm just like, well, that's so rude. You have to go, no, wait, no, you don't have to. Yeah, no, I'm being lazy because literally you get nothing out of this and you're trying to give up caffeine and I'm asking you, yeah, to go get me. Yeah, no, I'm the bad guy here, right? Like, so we had this kind of conversation where we and we were both just totally laughing over it. But our... Uh, our default as humans, like I just said earlier, our default is to do the easy thing. Mm-hmm. And we often, I think, have this idealized version of how we should be, right? Mm-hmm. And we should be perfect, mm-hmm. right? We should be perfect. I should just want to do everything and I should have limitless energy and I should never make any mistakes and I should never be selfish and I should never do anything. And that's just not what happens. Mm-hmm. We are human beings. And the benefit of relationship is that we can be each other's like you know, gutters in essence, like when you're bowling, like Mm -hmm. gutter ball, right? Mm -hmm. Like Connor and I can both hold each other accountable and he can be like, Rebecca, I am not going to drive out using my very scarce free time since we have children to buy you a coffee when I am giving up coffee, (laughs) right? And similarly, when we were first married, I was like, hey, we're both students. I am not doing all the cleaning. Mm -hmm. I am not doing this. You are doing this. And that's been such a beneficial thing for us. Mm -hmm. And For both of us, like if I hadn't made a fuss about mental load early in the marriage, we would have a very different relationship than we do right now. Mm -hmm. If he just kept enabling me to be a little bit lazy and sit on the couch while he went and got me treats, you know, that also wouldn't have been great, right? Like I, I, I think that this is one of the benefits of relationship where, again, we're talking about marriages where there isn't anything big wrong. Mm -hmm. This is just bad habits, and Mm -hmm. cycles we're not talking about bad character Mm -hmm. we're not talking about you know whether or not someone's a safe person you know we're talking about just these situations where we can get into ruts because we forget that we're supposed to be iron sharpening iron and we're not supposed to bend over backwards to make someone feel comfortable and happy Mm -hmm. but we're supposed to actually just be healthy people Mm-hmm. And you're allowed to expect that of your spouse. Yeah, I saw I saw an Instagram reel by um, a young female influencer. I'm getting seriously worried about this. We got to do. I don't know what to do. So if any of you listeners have ideas, let me know. But there's there's a real trend on Instagram and TikTok of young women in their 20s and early 30s tend to be good looking, but the trad wife thing is really taking off. Where they're the ones spewing everything that Emerson Egrich and Shanti Felden and the Everyman's like they're they're spewing it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a real growing movement of this and I don't know how to we got to do something but anyway this woman was was saying how um, she just loves submitting to her husband she loves being a stay-at-home mom she loves making him food and doing the housework while he sits there relaxing and I thought okay You can sustain that now. I would love to know what you're thinking when you're 55 years old. Well, and that's exactly it. Because when you look at the stats, they're really happy for like seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years. Yeah, but you can't sustain that no. long term. And if you are working while he is relaxing, what you're really saying is your time is more valuable than mine. Mm-hmm. So you, ha- you, you should be able to relax because you're the man. Well, I do all of this work for you. And this can apply in multiple areas of your mm-hmm. life, right? Like, um, and it isn't always a gender thing. If, 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 if she is spending too much money, you know, then, then her lifestyle is more important than my time and then my stress, you know, so it's okay for her to add to the amount of work I have to do and to the amount of stress I have, um, because that's the way that she's saying. And, and when this goes on over and over and over again, you can sustain it for a little bit but you can't sustain it long term. Yeah. And that's why we need to make issues of these things early 
and figure them out early. And please, with sex, please, with sex, do that. You know, read The Good Guy's Guide to Great Sex, Good Girl's Guide to Great Sex, figure out how the sexual response cycle works, read The Great Sex Rescue. Um, Like I said, we have an orgasm course, we have a Boost Your Libido course, but, but... it's so much harder to fix a sex life where there's been selfishness, where there's been obligation, where there's been no mutual pleasure, like 15, 25 years down the road than it is to fix it at six months. Can I say something that might be a little bit like uh, people, I don't know if people would like this or not, but I'm curious to know what people think. Yeah. I honestly wonder how much of this would be easier if we stopped putting it in marriage terms because so much of that is so loaded mm-hmm. based on a lot of this, like it, it's so tied into gender roles. And we actually started treating our marriages more, hear me out, Okay. <laughs> more like roommates. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I know that's like the whole like, you're married, you're not roommates. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, but, but, but the thing is, there's some benefits to there roommate There are a lot of... Connor and I very much feel like roommates to a certain like in our in our day to day life because there's this level of you both have to contribute to the house. You're mm-hmm. both living in each other's space instead of it being one of your space that the other person is infringing upon. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like it's a shared communal living situation. When you were roommates, you were either clean or you were kicked out. Typically, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, we all we, for those of us who had roommates, we all had that conversation with like that one roommate who never uh-huh. did any chores. You've just been getting along so well with Jordan lately. You've been getting along you and Jordan vibes so well. Have you ever thought about like because we were thinking about maybe like I don't know if we can I don't know like we were thinking maybe we get a smaller apartment but we don't want to make you just not have anywhere to go. It's like what if you moved in with Jordan and then we moved into a different apartment where you weren't. (laughs) Like like everybody had that one roommate right or maybe you were that one. Yeah maybe you were that roommate you know. yeah, but when you were roommates, you were like, yeah, the bathroom needs to get cleaned. The well, floor needs to get mopped. Let's have like... And toilets. that's legit the conversation that Con and I had our first mm-hmm. year of marriage was he cleaned in his... Like his bedroom was always messy because I'm a messy person too. We're both messy. It's fine. Yeah. You know, but like, you know, I was like, but he cleaned the sink and the toilet at his roommate house. So let's do it in the marriage too, right? Like, yeah. I honestly wonder if like the idea that you don't, you're not roommates just means you have to have sex. But if you're not actually living up to mm-hmm. the standard of roommate, mm-hmm. like maybe we need to work on that too, right? Because yeah. like the idea of like you know you're making someone's life harder right in different ways if you're a roommate making someone's life harder you get you get kicked out that's not a good roommate be a good roommate guys yeah you know like like in shared space you're not allowed to leave your stuff around the shared space you know like yeah yeah, there's lots of stuff that we that we would talk about as i feel like yeah i just feel like maybe we do need to just figure out how to be good roommates first Mm -hmm. and then and then we can like that's the basis that's the basic like Mm bars on the floor level where it's like just be good enough to be their roommate (laughs) but you know um leo leo tolstoy opened the book anna karenina with a famous line yeah right happy families are all alike but every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way yeah um and that is that is actually really true happy families all have very similar things right Mm -hmm. like you know they treat each other well they respect each other their partners etc etc um whereas unhappy families can all be unhappy in their own way and Mm -hmm. if your marriage is unhappy you know for some of you it might be mental load it might be finances it might be it might um, be one of those big three it might be one of those big three but i mean for when it's not those big three oh yeah yeah, yeah. you know there's there's all kind and we're never going to mention all of them we're never going to cover all of them but i think the theme that i really want people to take home is when we let things go that are unsustainable in the long term, you're going to one day wake up in crisis where you just can't do it anymore. Yeah. Because when you're young, 
you have optimism mm-hmm. <laughs> and you have so much energy. You often have better health. You have more time. It doesn't seem like it, but you actually have more time until children come and then you don't. Yeah. But then you have no time. You have negative no, time. But like, like you can sustain things when you're young mm-hmm. much easier than you can mm-hmm. once you're in your 40s, 50s and 60s. So deal with it in your 20s and 30s. For whatever reason, mm-hmm. <laughs> things aren't working. Um, deal with it early, and then you're less likely to find yourself in a place where you're saying, you know what, if we got divorced, my life would actually be better. Yeah. Because for a lot of people, that's actually true. That is objectively true. Yep. If you get divorced, your life is better. How sad is that? Mm-hmm. And so if it's possible to have a different ending to your story. And for many people it is, mm-hmm. if they deal with these things early, you know, whatever that thing may be, then then maybe you won't end up like one of these statistics. And so it, it takes work to deal with things early. It means that things are gonna be rocky. You've gotta rock the boat. You've gotta say, hey, this isn't okay with me. But it's also um, such a great way f- to learn how to grow as well. Like yeah. both Connor and I have gotten so much better at confrontation, both in handling it, but also doing it well mm-hmm. because we've actually done it. Yeah. Like- <laughs> so please, so, so, that, that's, uh, so those are the two big takeaways from this podcast. First of all, before you quote a stat, read the study or you're gonna please. look like an idiot. Please. Um, and we will laugh at you. <laughs> please read the study um women do not initiate divorces for no reason mm-hmm. <laughs> again 88 percent of the couples had some form of infidelity yes yes so there's something going on there okay and you know the 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 three biggest final straws that were present in 57 percent of marriages they said this was the final straw infidelity abuse substance abuse so women yep. are not getting divorced for lack of commitment and when people say that just realize they don't know what they're talking about and they're not worth listening to. Um, but the second big takeaway is just, we don't want you to be in one of those stats, you know? And sometimes you can't help it. Sometimes it is really because your spouse has bad character and they're going to end up yep. hurting you. But in the cases where that isn't the case, then let's do something early. Um, because great marriages are great. <laughs> yeah, it's Marriage... it, again, the best health outcomes are people who are in happy marriages. So mm-hmm. if you can do the work, if it's a problem of just, you know, miscommunication or relationship skills versus a lack of character mm-hmm. and safety concerns, yeah. like if this is a relationship skill issue, like put the work in before you're so far down the, mm-hmm. you know, crisis path. Mm-hmm. that you don't have any choice but to deal yeah. with it. Deal with it while it's still small. Because remember, if you're not going to be able to put up with it for 55 years, then don't put up with it now. Mm-hmm. Because if you do put up with it now, it's going to keep happening for the next 55 years of your life. Yep. Yep. So there you go. <laughs> that is what we wanted to share with you on the Bear Marriage Podcast. So thank you for joining us. Um, again, we will have the links to our email list that you can sign up to be notified about our next survey. We'll have a links to our patron group. We would so love for you to join us. We also do have, they're available. I think that we're going to be taking them out of our store in the next few days, but our domestic violence awareness um, merch and our breast cancer awareness merch. We got them up late in October. So even though October was, <laughs> was the yeah, we've been busy guys. That, we've been busy. So we're, we're leaving them up a little bit in November and 20% of the profits from those products will go to, to, um, charities in our local area, uh, in, in Ontario, Canada that supports, uh, breast cancer research and domestic violence help. Um, and again, we will also have links to our sex courses, the orgasm course, the boost your libido course, because 
deal with this stuff early, people. I don't want to hear any more emails from men <laughs> saying, I'm married for 17 years. She's never had an orgasm, but I keep having sex with her. Yeah. Let's just not do that anymore. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> and we'll see you again next week. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye.